I am so grateful to be a part of this church and see what God is, is doing in, in our lives. I'm so grateful. Um, our time in the Psalms have been so good. I hope that you have had a great week. And I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, to, uh, to grab them and find your place with me in Psalm 13. Psalm 13. And um, while you're getting there, uh, one of the most beautiful things about the Psalms, we've said this before, uh, one of the reasons, the main reasons that make the Psalms so important for us is, is that the Psalms tend to meet us where we are. As you look at the Psalms, as you read them, you're going to see a wide spectrum of human emotion on display. Uh, a wide spectrum. You're going to see some psalms that express joy and happiness and, and confidence and peace and hope and strength and stability. You're going to see that there. Um, you're going to see psalms like Psalm 98 and Psalm 100 that just are mountaintop moment psalms that tend to just articulate what it's like to be at the heights of just being a follower of Jesus. And you read these and they just seem to express the joy of being his, right? You see this, um, these mountaintop moments. However, not all the Psalms do that. Uh, you're going to see so much more as you look in the Psalms because on the other side of the joy and the hope and the peace and the strength is we're going to find... Another spectrum of emotions that the psalm is going to open our eyes to, and we are going to see, let's just face it, you and I as humans face a lot of emotions. And the psalms don't just address the mountaintops, they tend to shift our focus. And in the psalms, you're going to find psalms that are filled with fear, with anxiety, with, with struggle, with uh, rage with anger, with brokenness, with frustration, with discontentment. You're going to see all of it here. And whereas on the mountaintop moment psalms, you get this sense that the psalmist is just overwhelmed by who God is and yes. And, and, but in these psalms, you get this sense that the psalmist is absolutely overwhelmed and weighed down by life. And often we don't quite know what to do with these psalms. We, uh, can we say that to God? Like, you're going to have that, that, that response sometimes with these psalms. You're going to read a psalm that the psalmist is calling for God to absolutely, ruthlessly smite his enemies. You're going to read this, and you're going to go, wait, what, what, what? Can I say that? Can I pray that? I mean, God told me, right, uh, Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for them, and here the psalmist is saying, smite them. Should I talk like this? Can I? Should I talk to God like this? And as we read the psalms, you're going to think, well, this is in the Bible, right? This is there. I mean, but hear me. I want us to realize something so important before we kind of walk through Psalm 13. Um, you were created by God intentionally, purposefully, he knows you, he knows your heart, he knows your deepest, moment, deep, deepest emotions. 
And in places like this, without making judgment calls on all those emotions that I just talked about, um, I want us to see something that's so simple and so wonderful and something we've got to see as we walk through Psalm 13. The Psalms show us that God meets us where we are in our emotions and doesn't call us to fix ourselves and to fix our emotions before coming to him. Take that in. God meets us where we are in our emotions and doesn't call us to fix ourselves first, to fix our emotions before we come to him. God calls us to come. He's not like a fair weather God who's like, I'll see you when you get up here to the mountaintop. That's not the God that's painted for us in, in, in scriptures and it's certainly not what we see in the Psalms. Um, God does not love you more when you're on top of that mountain. He doesn't care for you more and he doesn't hear you anymore or when you're on those mountains as he does in the valley. He's just as much present. And in so many ways, I love this because this is the essence of the gospel. The essence of the gospel, that the goodness of God's love through the work of Jesus Christ is that we're invited to come to God as we are. We're invited to come to him. To, to come to him, and the grace of God is not contingent on anything that we do, anything we don't do in church. It is not contingent on the way that you feel about it either. It's not contingent on the way that you feel about it. Here's, here's the way I want to put this. Uh, praise God. We are his. We are his because he loves us perfectly. Not because we feel his love perfectly. Let that sink in. We are his because God loves us, loves you perfectly. Not because you feel that love perfectly every moment of your life. The way you feel about it doesn't change the fact. God loves you perfectly. When we start to get this, we start to understand that God can handle your emotions. That's just a big thought there. God can handle your emotions and invites you to come to him as you are, even when your emotions are not justified. You can stand in confidence that you are justified and that he loves you and that he has invited you to come. And that is really good news. So we're coming off last week of looking at the 23rd Psalm, which is just breathtakingly beautiful, and it talks about us being under the care of the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and I'm not going to want, not going to be in wanting, right? We, we read about the, the sheep not drawing their confidence in situations, but drawing their confidence in the shepherd. It's not the green grass, the water, the protection. It's the fact that my shepherd is here and I am his and he will care for me well. The confidence is not in the shepherd's stuff, but in the shepherd himself. And likewise, church, we talked about last week that our confidence as his children are that, he, that we are his and that he is ours, not in our present circumstances. And, and Psalm 23 is just wonderful psalm about our trust in the shepherd. Uh, we read in, in verse 4, 
common verse. The, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That paints this picture of sheep walking through a dark and dangerous valley and, and being content under the care of their shepherd. And there is going to be moments, church, in life where you're going to feel this way and relate well to this psalm, to Psalm 23. You're going to go through valleys and you're going to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, let's march forward. However, there will be times in your life where, where you're going to face a valley and the cry of your heart is going to sound a lot more like Psalm 13 than it does Psalm 23. There's going to be times when, when you're going to relate well to the psalm that we're about to dig into. And I want you to understand Psalm 23 and Psalm 13 are both written by the same man, same David, written about the same God, right? Same God, same man, and, and, and Psalm 23 is still true. The Lord is still our shepherd. He is still good. He is still present. We can still trust him. But there will be times, church, when your heart and your emotions are really going to resonate with Psalm 13. And I want us to listen to this. Let's start in verse, in verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Did you hear the raw emotion as David just cries out to God? Better yet, can you relate to the raw emotion that's on display here as David cries out to God. Have you ever been in a season of life, a place in your life where you have felt this? Where you have, have felt this as you've gone through something and, and here's the thing, you feel a distance between you and God. Have you ever been in this place and felt that? Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever felt abandoned have you ever felt as though, as David says, God is literally hiding from you? Have you felt this? There are a couple things I want us to see before we, before we go forward um, from this in, in the first two verses. Number, number one is although physical hardships can be really difficult, the things that we can face in life can bring us to our knees. They're difficult. But nothing compares, church, to the pain and the struggle of a spiritual hardship. Physical things uh, can be so difficult, but nothing compares to the pain of a, of a spiritual hardship, the feeling of being abandoned, the feeling of, of feeling as though God is hiding himself from you. Nothing compares to that, that struggle. When you need, in the moment you need God to show up, you feel like he's playing hide and seek. Like that is heavy. And I said feeling, not reality, right? Feeling like this, that is a spiritual battle. And that spiritual battle runs so deep into the core of 
who we are. Um, and we know this to be true. And I want to give you an example. Um, it is possible for you to be in a great place spiritually, to be walking closely with God, to be growing in your faith and to, to, to be in a great place spiritually, and then to face a physical trial and to face it well, where that thing just does not break you or shake you. It's still hard. It's still incredibly difficult, but because you're strong in your faith and you're founded on Christ, you walk through it, even though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I fear it, right? You walk through it strong. It is highly possible for your spiritual health to carry you through physical trials, but church, it never works the other way around. It never works the other way around. It's impossible for your physical conditions to make up for a spiritual deficit. It's impossible for good situations in life to carry you through spiritual brokenness and spiritual bankruptcy. Because spiritual health runs deep, deep to our core, and and moments of spiritual hardship are incredibly difficult to navigate. Incredibly difficult. And, and here in Psalm 13, church, David, what's on display here, yes, it's connected to a physical struggle. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But what he is displaying here and, and saying here, he is talking about a spiritual struggle. A spiritual struggle. Uh, I feel forgotten. I feel abandoned. I feel alone. Now, um, This psalm was written in one of two moments in David's life. Some believe that it was written um, when David was running from Saul, uh, for his life, running from Saul. Uh, You see this in 1 Samuel 21. Literally, his life was on the line as he was running from Saul. So some some believe that this is when he, he wrote Psalm 13. Others, uh, myself included, believe that, that, that David wrote this as he was pushed out of his kingdom by his own son, Absalom. You see this in uh, 2 Samuel 15. And as you read it, what you'll see is that, that his own son was conspiring against him. He was pushed out of his kingdom. And here's the, the weightiest part about this is David knew this wasn't going to end well. David knew this is going to end in death, and it's either going to be my death or my son's death, and I want neither. This was a heavy, heavy moment. Either way, either of these situations, just incredible incredible stress, physical struggles. There was a physical battle unfolding before, before David. But what made each of these situations more difficult is that David felt abandoned through them. David felt like, where are you? Can you relate to this church? Have you ever been in a place where you're facing something and, and, and you, you, have you ever cried? How long? How long, Lord, will you forget me? How long, Lord, will I be navigating through this and feel disconnected from you? How long? That's where David 
that's where David was. And spiritual hardship is incredibly difficult to navigate. And fortunately, the scriptures kind of speak to this, and we're going to get there. But the second thing I want us to see before we move on into verse 3 is that in moments like these, these valley moments where we are struggling and wrestling, hear me, um, we make lousy counselors to ourselves. You know this to be true. Uh, We make absolutely lousy counselors of ourselves through our valley moments. David says, how long will I take counsel in my soul? How long will I have sorrow in my heart all the day? In these valley moments, every time that we kind of just grin and bear it, try to look within, we come up empty. Um, In fact, I want to put this before you, that that one of the most distinguishing factors between the Christian faith um, and and kind of popular contemporary culture um, is something that separates Christianity from the modern culture is is this, is this, that that the prominent message that you're going to hear regarding spirituality from popular culture is going to be, look in. Look within. Look within. Um, To somehow, the encouragement is to somehow find the strength that lies within you and do the hard work of getting it out. And that is, is seen. If you could wrap up spirituality in the world's eyes, that's it. Find that inner spirituality, that inner strength, and dig in, go deep. And, and in the church, we even hear this message, not like that, but Christianized a little bit, and brought in the church where we need to just find that strength, that inner strength within. And, and here's the reality. Um, that's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith says boldly, We look outside of ourselves for our answers. We look outside of ourselves for strength, our strength and our goodness. They're they're not found in here. They're found outside of ourselves. They're found in Christ. And the strength that I have is the Holy Spirit working in me. Right? That, here's, in, in other words, we do not believe in finding inner peace. We believe in Christ, the giver of peace. We do not believe that peace, hope, joy, strength, they're found somewhere in here. I know myself. We don't believe, we believe that it comes from him through his spirit that's working in us. This separates the Christian faith from others. And in the valley, we tend to want to kind of buckle down and, and, and turn inward and, and especially in the moments like David where God feels distant. I mean, what else do we have? Let's just turn, let's figure this out. Let's find strength and let's move forward. We do that so often. Can you relate to this, church? Have you been here? Ha- have you been in a place where God has felt distant and the only thing left for you to do is to try to muster up enough strength from within and then you find that to only be bankrupt? For, for those of, of you in this room who have never experienced a moment like this, chances are that life is going to bring you to a place where you're going to a place like this at some point. Let me rephrase that. Chances are God is going to bring you through a place like this at some point in your life. 
for, for your good and for his glory and so that you can truly know how good he is through it. Um, but for the rest of us who know exactly what this feels like, who have been here, you know how it feels, you know how deafening the silence can be when you're calling out to God for an answer and it doesn't come the way you think it should come. This is where David was. I want you to hear David's cry. You ready? I want us to look at David's cry here in this struggle. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up or light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David says, well, God, I, I need you to answer, I need you to respond, or this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. If you don't light up my eyes and breathe life to my soul here, Lord, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I, I will fade into death. My enemies are going to win. They will prevail and rejoice over me. God, if you don't intervene, if you don't answer, if you don't respond, I'm not going to make it through this. Again, let me ask you one more time. Have you been there? In a place where you look around and you're like, I don't think I got this. I don't think that I can that I can get through this. God, I need you to show up to answer. I want us to, to think about something before we shift into verses five and six. Um, I want us to think about something, um, about the way that David cried out to God because what we see here was not the cleaned up version of David. In verses one through four, we don't get the sense that David went off, got his emotions in check, kind of brought out his Christian language that he knows he's supposed to say, cleaned up his act, got his emotion in check, and then prayed a prayer like, oh, splendid father, good father of all, I'm your joyful, loving servant. That's not what we see. Now, yes, he is splendid, and he is almighty, and he is all those good things. But that's not where David starts here. David comes to him in absolute brokenness, saying, How long, Lord? Because I am at my end, and from my end, it does not seem that this will end well. That's where David is. And so David comes to God in complete honesty. And I want you to know, God can handle your honest emotions. God can handle your honest emotions. This morning, we need to know that. Um, have you ever had someone in your life that you're close to, that frustrated, this frustrates me, you're close to them, you know there's something wrong. You know that there's something bothering them, there's something there, but they refuse to tell me. They just keep it surface level. They hide it. They're refusing to be. Now, I, re, I expect that from acquaintances. Like, I get that. Like, I know that. I expect that from people I'm not in close relationship with. But for someone close, come on. That is so frustrating. It's like, let's just be honest with each other, right? Here's the reason I bring that up. is because honesty, like the honesty that we see on display in Psalm 13, is founded on a relationship. So 
Let me give you an example of this. Um, I have a few guys in my life that are close to me. They're kind of accountability for me, um, kind of coaches for me in, in a lot of ways. These guys know me. They, uh, I trust them. We share a relationship that's built on trust. When they speak, I listen because I know they're, they, they have my interest in heart, um, and I'm able to be honest with them. And if I were to go and meet with them and, and really burdened by something, right, and I were to go and meet with them, I don't have to clean up my emotions for them. I don't have to, you know, mask my feelings with empty words. I don't have to suppress and just move on and pretend like everything's great. I don't have to do that. In, in fact, if I did do that, it would probably destroy what we have going on, right? That, that's, I'm able to share with them, church, to be vulnerable, to be raw, to be wrong, to be authentic and know that they are here for me because that honesty is based on the relationship that we have and that we share, and there's a trust there. In the same way here, church, David in Psalm 13 does not just know about God. He knows God. There is a relationship here. There is a trust here. The words of Psalm 13 are not a surface level conversation between two people who are trying to put the best face on. The, the words of Psalm 13 are authentic and they come from a true relationship. And if you're here and you know about God, but if you're here and you don't truly know him or have a real relationship, then you're, the words of Psalm 13 are just going to honestly baffle you. It, because David, what he's displaying here is a relationship. That's what he's displaying. We need to see this and understand this, church, because God is not only almighty father, creator of the universe, um, the all-powerful, perfect, just, righteous, holy. He is, but he is also God with us. God, our provider. God, our true and our loving father. God who listens who understands and who hears us. God who allows us to know him. That's the God that, that we serve. And, and more than that, I want to push on this just a little bit in light of Psalm 13. Um, church, our God is all-knowing and he knows our hearts. Amen? He knows, take it to this text. He knew David's heart before David went on the page. He, he knew it. He knew where David was. He knew his struggle. He knew what he was wrestling with. Here's what I want to get at. Our honesty with God is more about us expressing our heart and trust before, the, before him than it ever is about us informing him. <laughs> it's, it's more about us honestly expressing our heart and our trust before our God than it ever is about us informing an all-knowing God who knows us better than we know ourselves. What David was doing here was expressing his heart, and what I love is where David ends. If you look at verse 5, I especially love the first word, but. Verse 5, but. It's a powerful word. Because if you think about it, it's, it's, it's saying, although all of that that I just said is still true, 
And although that's the condition of my heart, although that's the condition of my emotions right now, although that's the condition of my present condition, right? But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, and I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's just awesome. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. I trust that your love will never fail. Right? Uh, and even in the moments when I don't see your love, even in the moments that I don't feel your love, I know your love does not fail and it will never stop. Your steadfast love is not contingent on the fact that I feel it, it is never ending. Never ending. And I trust in my heart, and I'm going to rejoice that when you show up and bring salvation, you're going to save me from this. Notice that's future, that you will bring salvation. You will, uh, I will experience your salvation. And because that's true, I'm going to choose to sing. That is the last thing I want to do, church, when I am in this valley moment. But David says, because I trust in your love, because I, I trust in your salvation, that's not yet, but that's coming. Because I trust in it, I choose to sing. Here's the reality is, for so many of us, it is so much easier for us to trust God with the salvation of our souls for all eternity than it is for us to trust God in the, pre in the present situation that we are facing. Now that is, just doesn't make any sense, but it's true. We trust him for our cosmic salvation, but yet in this present moment, I don't know if you have this, Lord. David here says, no, I choose to trust you. I choose to sing. And this, this was, again, based on a relationship because notice that David bases his trust on, on past faithfulness here. He says, he's dealt bountifully with me. David looks back and he says, you know what? You've never left me in the past. You've never left any of your children, any of your sheep. None of them have been left and, and you have been faithful. You have provided and sustained me to this point. For those of us who have been following Jesus for a good amount of time. Some of us need to get far better at, at, at being able to remember the past faithfulness of our God and applying that confidence to our present situation. Um, I think back on the countless times in the Bible when the saints of God would just stand on the past faithfulness of God and say, therefore, I'm good. Therefore, we go. Like I think of how many times he said, he is the God who brought us out of Egypt. I just gave them this confidence to move forward because it's past faithfulness. I think of uh, Deuteronomy 8 where Moses literally tells the people, hey, remember what God has done and never forget it. And as you're marching toward that promised land, remember this and let this be your strength. Many times the greatest source of strength for the present is God's faithfulness in the past. Many times, um, the greatest source of our strength for the present situation is God's faithfulness to us and to God's people in the past. David says, Lord, I feel forgotten, abandoned, and if you don't answer, I'm not going to make it, but 
Although I don't feel it, I choose to trust in your unfailing love. Although I don't feel it, I choose to trust in your salvation. And I choose to remember your faithfulness. And because of that, I choose to sing your praise. Notice, um, I want you to know something really important in this psalm. Uh, when David wrote 5 and 6, it's not like, like all of his, his problems were solved. It's not like God, he was, he was writing verses 1 through 4, and then boom, everything's fixed. He's like, hey, but, you know, that's not what we see here. What we see here is a man who's still in his current situation. He is still dealing with this incredible amount of distress, but he says, I choose to trust in the Lord that he is good and that he has me. What a beautiful, beautiful text that we can relate to in so, so many ways because the Lord meets you where you are, loves you and cares for you, and regardless of your present circumstance, he can be trusted just as he could be trusted for David. Now, um... We would miss it if we would just end right here. Um, we, would, we would miss it if we just finished our time here. Um, and so what I want us to do is to finish our time in Psalm 13 and actually our, our time in the Psalms um, by looking at this Psalm in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, we stand here today at a different vantage point. Than David did as he wrote this text. Um, and the cross has changed everything, church. And, and I want us to see something here. If you hear nothing else, if you have been sleeping this whole time, shame on you. <laughs> Wake up, though. I want you to come with me here. The main point of our psalm here this morning, as we said, as David says, how long will I be forgotten? If you don't answer me, I'm not going to make it. If you don't show up, I'm going to sleep the sleep of death. My enemies are going to prevail. My enemies will rejoice because I'm shaken. Hey, but until then, I'm going to trust in your unfailing love and rejoice in your salvation and think back to how great you have dealt with me in the past. That kind of wraps up, sums up the essence of this psalm. So are you ready for this? I didn't hear any answers. Some of you are like, I have no idea where you're going. Uh, that's okay. Church, this is so good. I want us to think about what we know about what we know through Christ. Think about, just follow with me here. We know that uh, through Romans 5.8 that God demonstrated his love for us and that while you and I were still sinners, Christ came and died for, for you. We, we know that. We know in John 3.16 that, that he, he loved the world so much that he sent his son into it, that, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have life eternally. We know this. We also know through the Gospels that, that Jesus did, in fact, and in history come, born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Um, we know he lived his life, a perfect life, we, we sinless and guiltless that he preached and he taught us about God's plan and God's kingdom while here on earth. We know that he was arrested, that he was beaten, that he was mocked, and, and that he was sentenced to execution under Pontius Pilate. We know that he was crucified on a cross, that he was buried in a, in a borrowed tomb, and, and for three days he was dead. We know that he then rose from the dead, literally dead to alive. We, we know that. Appearing to hundreds after his death. 
Um, finally, then, ascending into heaven. And we know through his work in, in Ephesians 1 and 2 that, that as he did this, Jesus accomplished all of the plan of God from the beginning of time to save his children. And it was accomplished through Jesus Christ. We know that. We also know that as Christ ascended, he said, hey, I'm sending you someone I'm sending you a helper who's going to do what's never been done before. He's going to indwell you and empower you. I'm sending that. And that literally happened in the book of Acts. And so here's what I'm, I'm getting at here. Every single thing that David was longing for was ultimately fulfilled in the work and person of Jesus Christ. And I want you to follow me in this. David says, God, I need you to show up lest I sleep the sleep of death. Jesus comes and conquers death itself. Jesus comes and now we as his children no longer even fear death. Death, where is your sting? It has been defeated through the cross and that is ours in Christ. Now, David says, God, I need you to show up unless my enemies are going to win. They're going to prevail over me. Then Jesus comes and completely conquers the enemy through his work. Completely, literally overcame every single temptation so that now he gives you his perfection and his righteousness through his work on the cross. And now because of Christ, no enemy will prevail over you. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And David says, God, I need you to show up. Lest my enemies rejoice because I am shaken. And then church, Christ died on the cross, conquered it all, rose and sent the spirit to dwell in you. And Jesus literally says, guys, it's better for you that I leave. Because he that is, is, is coming, it's going to be a benefit for you that I leave and that he comes and indwells you. The Holy Spirit is coming, and, and church, you will not ever be shaken. The Spirit of God, the, the, the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You're not going to be shaken, and again, this is yours through Christ. David says, I will trust in your unfailing, steadfast love, and then Jesus comes to perfectly demonstrate that love to demonstrate it perfectly that the Father would call you to himself at great expense, sending his own son to secure it. And this is ours in Jesus Christ. David says, I will rejoice in your salvation. And Jesus comes and says, salvation is here. Salvation is here. No longer do you look forward to the moment where of salvation. Note, through Christ, you look back on salvation that was won for you. And that is yours in Christ. And then David says, I will think back and consider how you have dealt bountifully with me. Amen and amen. Because Jesus, we look back on the greatest demonstration of love that the world has ever seen or will ever see again. We, we, we look back at a Savior that would love you to death, would take your sin to the cross, conquer it, give you victory, and place you in the family of God forever. And he would give you life abundantly and eternally. Now, church, although you may go through seasons of valleys, 
seasons like David in the psalm where you just feel like God's distant. Um, As we read this psalm, we need to realize something, that this psalm was ultimately and perfectly answered through Jesus Christ. And although you may not feel the love of God perfectly, although you may be weighed down by something, and although you may feel that if something doesn't change, I'm not going to make it, the reality is, is that the love of God was demonstrated for you perfectly through Jesus Christ. And although you may not feel God's love perfectly this morning, his love for you is unfailing and it is steadfast. And churches, as you pray this kind of Psalm 13 prayer to God, um, hear me, God invites you to come to him today, to come to him in complete honesty, to come to him fully, and church, to come to him as you are. Let's pray this morning. Yeah, we navigate through things in life that that shake us to our core. I want to pray for every person in this room, for those who may be in a valley right now, for those here who may resonate quite well with Psalm 13. How long? How long? I pray that right here in this moment that you show them that there is no distance too great. I pray that you show them the comfort of your spirit that indwells them. I pray that you show them that their shepherd is not far off, but that he is present and that he still knows best what is best for his sheep. And God, I I pray for every person in this room who may know about God but doesn't yet know God, that every person in this room who might be here and think, I don't know if I'm a part of his flock or not, if he is my shepherd. God, I, I just pray for every person here who is, who is dealing with those questions that you speak to their heart right now in this moment. And in the quiet of this moment that you prompt in them a response, that they respond to your good news. God, you are our good shepherd. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. You are with us. You are our shepherd, and we will not be in want. God, continue to speak. Continue to move in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.